Blog Talk Radio. Good afternoon. This is Ryan Miner. You're listening to A Minor Detail on a snowy Saturday afternoon blizzard. Hashtag Blizzard 2016. Uh, we're going to keep you informed about what's happening. And I just want to say there's breaking news in Montgomery County. It's snowing. It's snowing a lot. Uh, things are under snow. Our snow chair, we have chairs on our back porch. They're under snow. We have wind gusts that are reaching um, at least 25 miles per hour. Um, Eric Beasley, our Frederick County correspondent who's been braving the snow uh, since last evening. Eric, do you have anything to report from Frederick County? Uh, well, I can... Uh... My uh, my neighbor has the uh, official yardstick from his days working at uh, the Maryland Emergency Management Agency, and according to this uh, finely tuned, calibrated device, uh, we're sitting on about 30 inches or so out here in Brunswick. Um, it seems to have let up a lot over the last uh, 30 minutes or so, but uh, there's still, uh, you know, I'm, I'm measuring them in the height of my dog as far as how much yeah. snow is out there. <clears throat> it's, it's snowing. Everybody, if you're listening in and you're thinking that Eric and Ken Buckler and and Jason and I are going to provide you with any updates on the snow situation. We're not, but we're just going to let you know that there's a lot of white stuff. There's a lot of white stuff on the ground, and Al Sharpton's coming to town because snow is racist. So, yeah, if you want a weather report, look out your damn window. Yeah. Um, I don't know. What are we going to talk about today, guys? We have a lot to talk about. We're just going to talk about uh, Maryland. Talk about the General Assembly, some politics. Um, I don't know. We'll probably upset set a few people today. You know, we asked Andrew Langer and uh, Jerry Rogers of the Capitol. <laughs> Kim's giving. She just gave me the dirtiest look ever. It's really funny. She just gave me a horrible look. But I tweeted them. I said, if you guys want to come on the show, but they um, they said that um, they wouldn't. They they didn't want to come on the show. Well, so. they actually refused. They didn't say we have a scheduling conflict. <clears throat> yeah, they said that there. Basically, there's if there's anything else that they could be doing right now, they would probably do that other than call into this show. But uh, there seems conflict, to be whatever. What's, that? What's the difference? There, there's no difference between a scheduling conflict and refusal anyway. So, mm. of course, there. Well, is. sometimes there is. Jason seems to think so, right, Jason? Yeah, I mean. If 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 you were to say to me, "Hey, uh, let's do a thing tomorrow," and I say, "I can't, I'm busy tomorrow," but let's do a thing the next day, I haven't told you no. Like That's Langer's right. response, Langer's right. response was, "I have fifty thousand better things to do, including yeah. sensitive bits and painful equipment." All right. Well, so I'm, I'm just Hover's, using Red Maryland's Hover's, definition. Oh. Hover's, Hover's response was. I can't do it today. And then Red Maryland immediately ran out and was like, she's she's refused to ever come on our network because she's afraid. Which is, you know, Amit Hober is not Wait, afraid well, we to come said on names Red too Maryland. Much. I think we need to uh, all take a drink. There's a lot going on there, and I guess we could just start in, I don't know, I mean, it's snowing, we, we're... we're 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 in we're in imbibing on beverages and 
I just don't see the reason why that we can't just be honest today well, and talk about you, some you guys are You guys are imbibing on beverages. I've got a problem right now. I can't get my my, my, my uh, wine bottle open. Oh, well, you got to get that taken care of, Ken. By the way, there's a YouTube video of how to open them with your shoe. I would highly recommend that after the show. <laughs> um, Ken Buckler, who I think should be a minor details Washington County correspondent if he's willing to do it. Ken, this is a job offer. Oh, uh, pay job? No. No, no pressure, of course. <laughs> just, just, should, uh, should we I'll make an interview it. first? What's that? Should we make an interview first? Yes, can be Ken. All right, here's the interview from myself, Eric Beasley, and Jason. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna interview you for the minor de- uh, minor details. Uh, 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 you know, to be our correspondent up there in Washington County. So, Ken, here's the first question: um, If you were a hot dog and you were starving, would you eat yourself? Uh, I would uh, make America great again. That's okay. I, I got a question for a new interviewee. Okay, go ahead, Eric. Ken, Ken, did you order the code red? <laughs> well, you know, Eric, that, that's a pretty complicated question, and I'm just going to have to say that uh, you know, working together, we can all make America great again. Oh, because Colonel Jessup <laughs> ordered the code red. He's going to rip off your neck and like puke down your skull. All right, you pass. You're right. you're hired. Okay. Good um, news. Good news, guys. Right, so, yeah, we got. <laughs> it's a lot of snow out there, guys. I'm looking out the back door. There's a lot of snow going on, and uh, I'm not going anywhere for the next probably two days. And uh, Eric's probably remember not gonna... that Ryan said about two seconds ago. We're not going to talk about the snow, but that's basically the only thing he's talked about so far. Is that yeah. there's so much snow outside that, and it's actually it's actually significant. It's yeah, yeah, it's really, really, really great snow. Yeah, okay, it's, great. it's making I'm, it's making Brunswick great again. <laughs> I'm not short, and it comes up to like my upper thigh, not quite okay. my hip, but almost. We've, and that was like we've got about there. two feet in Boonesboro. Okay, we have about three feet. I don't know, Kim. What do we have? Gim says we have more than three, and she's short. She could probably. Kim would walk down in the snow. She would be under. <laughs> she would be submerged. All right. So hey, what's going on in Maryland's sixth congressional district where we all are, except for Jason? He's in like the the second. Oh my! Somebody's got noisy kids. <laughs> yeah, that, that... that's mine. I think I'm the only one with kids. To, well, how unfortunate. Eric, so, so let me ask the... you guys this: Yeah, go Are ahead, any candidates out sign waving today? Because major yeah, kudos to the district, are. eh? <laughs> I'm I think to who? You know, I got, I got... I don't know. Yeah, you know, I guess I like, see everything that's going on is wrong in the sixth district right now, in my opinion. It, this yeah. is what happens when you decide that the laws you want your politicians to pass are in accordance with Catholic dogma or the Quran or some sort of religious set of beliefs that have no place in politics. Yeah. I mean, I think that about sums it up. 
you get you know, from there? We, we, have, we have these. Go ahead, Jason. I just said, how did you get from there to here? Oh, to from from uh, screaming kids to theocracy. No, from snow. To They're the same, really. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right. So let's let's lay the the groundwork here. We're going to talk about some politics today, and uh, there are some interesting things going on in the sixth district. Uh, shots were fired back Wednesday uh, when uh, Ami Hober, who is a candidate for. The Republican nomination in Maryland's 6th Congressional District released a press release. There was this push poll uh, that the David Votes campaign is not calling a push poll, but it's apparently a push poll uh, that went out. And uh, it went out last Sunday or Monday, I believe. And they didn't they, – basically, they asked, um, you know, would you support David Vote? For X, Y, and Z reasons, and then they associated Ami Hober with liberal organizations, pro-abortion, whatever. Um, and then I reached out to Hober's campaign manager, Hunter Cardone, who, you know, this guy, we really haven't gotten off on the right foot. I mean, I met him in Frederick once, and we had a discussion. And he's a nice enough guy, but uh, he hasn't been very friendly to me. Um, and just to be honest with you, I'm not a big fan. I just, <laughs> if you're listening to this, I just, I, I uh, you know, it's just certain things about him kind of rub me the wrong way. And it's okay. I mean, he is who he is. He was a Blaine Young staffer in 2014, and that's fine. He worked hard for Blaine, and now he's serving David. And look, I like David Vogt personally. He's a nice guy. He's not, I, I I really like David personally, but you know Hunter won't answer my questions. I asked him straight up on Facebook, "Hey man, you know, look, what is this? What is this thing about?" And you know, I got this political answer, and I'm just like, dude, I, I just want the answer. Just tell me straight up. And he's ducking, dodging, and weaving. And um, so, you know, it is what it is. Uh, vote Vote used to have a campaign manager, uh, Cameron. Harris, who's a, actually a really good guy. Eric, I think you met Cameron a few times. Oh, yeah, of course. There, the, he, votes everywhere in Frederick County. Yeah? Oh, well, I mean, he, you know, being a delegate and everything, he goes he goes to a whole bunch of the meetings. I've met Cam a couple of times. You he's know, I mean, I, I, I had no problem with the guy. He, he seemed legit, smart. which is rare. He is legit. He is legit. And this guy that he has now, I don't know, I'm just uh, a little weary of him. And uh, he doesn't really care for me. He called me up after I did an interview with Hober back on January the 8th. This is the day after that there was the debate. And then Red Maryland released that article later that night saying that she's pro-abortion. And <laughs> I can't believe we're still talking about this. But she said she's not pro-abortion. She's not pro-abortion. Okay? I mean, I don't know how many other ways well, to say it. Jason, she go said ahead. She's not- she said she's not personally pro-abortion, right. and there's a significant difference between not being personally pro-abortion and being politically not pro-abortion. Yeah. So I mean, it's it's either she's. I mean, the official pro-choice position is it's not something that the government should be dictating whether or not, or it's not something the government should be making illegal. And if Hober's position is, I don't want the government to 
alter the existing laws on abortion or to make it more restrictive or whatever, then that's the pro-choice position. And you can never be, said that. You can be logically and formally pro-choice without actively being pro-abortion. So it's, 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 I mean, she's, she's always very specifically said in a fairly legalistic sense that she's not pro-abortion, but she's never said that she's, that she's personally uh, not pro-abortion, but she's never said that she's personally pro-life. She's not even gone that far. So I'd say, and, and like I've said previously, um, pro-choice is not the same as pro-abortion. She's going, it, it, it. In the practical sense, it is. In the logical sense, it's not. No, I don't agree. You can be, you can be pro-choice <clears throat> and not be personally pro-abortion. Can be, um, you know, the the safe, legal, and rare canard, but genuinely believe it. But for the most part, people who are pro-choice are aggressively pro-abortion. Eric, how so, important is this issue? Uh, how, well, according to uh, who is this? According to Gallup, abortion is the 38th most important issue facing the U.S. right now, and the list only goes to about 43, 44. Yeah. Um, so just to put this in perspective, abortion consistently polls at one percent, or the little asterisk, which basically means less than half percent, as far as the most important issues facing our country today. So I mean, like that—that's just the facts. The facts are that polling shows that people don't care about this issue nearly as much as the the local theocrats would have you believe. Why do you think? Well, it, and this is a you, question. You know what? Hey, let me let me interject for a second. So, okay, so people don't care about this issue when it's not being shoved down their throats and shoved <laughs> in their faces. Right. Okay. Now, when you have an organization that specifically calls out. Such and such politician is pro-abortion. All right, now if they would have said pro-choice, all right, I wouldn't be quite as mm, confused on this. But pro-abortion, that tells me that they are specifically trying to drum up uh, people to be against this candidate for some reason. Now, if they would have just said she's pro-choice instead of pro-abortion, it would not have been uh, quite as a red flag to me. I mean, <clears throat> why do you think it is that Red Maryland is so hung up on this issue? I think, I, honestly, um, I think someone is paying them. Um, we hmm. know because Nugent, we, we know because Nugent could not keep his mouth shut that he was being paid by Larry Hogan um, while Red Maryland was running all of the the attack pieces against uh, Lawler and uh, not mentioning anybody else. Like the only news that came from Red Maryland's coverage of the gubernatorial race last cycle was uh, uh, tiny little stories about minor things that Red Maryland took issue with about the Charles Lawler campaign. Oh yeah, they and were they hard ignored, on Charles. They ignored um, the. Uh, they they ignored the Ron George campaign, uh, state delegate, very big in Anne Arundel County. They ignored um, the Harford County executive. Help me out with his name. Um, uh, Glassman. No. 
Oh, David Craig. David Craig, yes. Yeah. So they they ignored him, and he's the Harford County executive. He's he's not nobody. Completely ignored him. And then Nugent thought that I had already, that I had known that he was getting paid. So his I was I was going to suggest in a in a discussion on Facebook that he was rewarding Hogan for all of the material that Hogan had supplied, the press releases and stuff that right. gave Red Maryland something to talk about. But then Mark Nugent said, comes back and says, so what if I'm getting paid by, the, by, by Larry Hogan and change Maryland to write pieces for Red Maryland? It's well, like, who, do you, who, who do you think's paying him? I don't know. I know, that, I know that it's been their modus operandi in the past. I know that they're hitting Hober like they hit Lawler. I know that um that I know that they're af- they were afraid of Lawler um because Lawler's message was so stridently um conservative that it would have that it was going to make uh Hogan look kind of bad and at times Hogan did look kind of bad in how he acted during the debates and just the contrast between policy positions um and you know I I don't know I, I I can't say for certain that someone is paying them I don't have any special information or inside intelligence on that point but this is how they behaved during the Lawler or during the gubernatorial campaign and at that time one of their editors one of the people helping run Red Maryland was receiving payments from Larry Hogan and they were very careful. They, they actually denied it. They, they they said straight up that Mark Nugent was not getting any payments from the Hogan campaign. Now, this was a legalistic answer because at the time, the official Hogan campaign structure didn't exist. So I, it's not I asked technically David, fraud. I asked David Vogt. Um, I, uh, I asked David Vogt's campaign if he was uh, – if they're, if they're working with Red Maryland – and um here's how they responded. Uh hold on. I'm going to pull this I'm going to pull this up and uh I said I I basically I asked a question. Are you are you guys working with with uh Red Maryland? And their campaign manager Hunter Cardone said, you know, um I don't appreciate it and uh, I don't appreciate that insinuation or something like that. And uh, he said, you know, no more than you are connected to the Hober campaign. And I don't uh, – that's really funny, you know. They they think because uh, for some reason I'm connected to the Hober – I'm not. I'm, I'm I don't not. I don't think you're formally connected to the Hober campaign, but you, I mean, not. there's no question that, you, that you're a fan of Hober. I said that. I, mean, I said that I'm a fan of her resume and her – and I'm a fan that, that she's qualified. I believe that. But the – but the implication of that answer, given their opinion of your relationship, is in fact, yes, they are. And I yeah. don't know. I don't know if that's an accident because he was trying to be too legalistic, and he ended up being too clever by half, and he was trying to run on spite, and it blew up in his face. Or if that's actually the answer is that they're actually well, paying Red Maryland to. Well, here's what I said. I said, is Red, I said, Hunter, is Red Maryland associated with David's congressional campaign? And Hunter wrote to me, I have no idea what you're talking about, and I don't particularly care for your baseless accusations. They are no more associated with us than you are with Ami. Okay. Uh, that doesn't answer my question. Um, 
Well, hold on, but right, hey, right think, now. But they, yeah, think, go ahead, they think you are associated with the Hobra campaign. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I just want to. I just, I just want to point out, so, you know, basically the, the allegation that, like, you or me are, are, are associated with the Hobart campaign is essentially the same faulty logic that people like Redmond. I, I, I wrote a, you know, I wrote a piece about this, if, you know, a few days ago, where yeah, Redmond tried to tie, tie Amy Hobart to the rain tax, and it's like, you know, the facts just don't add up because they didn't do their research ahead of time. And so it's kind of, you know, to me, it's, it's, it's clickbait advertising. People see the headline. They think that it's true, even though they didn't read the article. You know, and, and that's, that's what's swaying our public opinion these days. Ken? Ken, you there? Yeah, I'm still here. What's your thoughts? Uh, you know, I, I'm not really involved in you know a lot of this now you know i will say follow the money okay so now now's the time to start looking through campaign uh contributions and see who's donating to who all right that that could actually give you a pretty good idea of what's going on behind the scenes um i mean i i agree but i mean you certainly won't see my you won't see any donations from me to the Hober campaign or to Howard's campaign or to David Vogt's campaign. Look, I'm a Republican, and I'm going to offer any sort of help that I can to any of the primary candidates who would, who who will ask. If if any of the primary candidates asked Eric, myself, uh, today who live in the 6th District, you, you know, you too can, but I'm just saying Eric and I are sort of <laughs> in the mix of this as activists. If they asked us, hey, will you come out in the sign way with us? I would say yes. No, you wouldn't. Yeah, you know, well, I, I would even Terry Baker. Like what? Even Terry Baker? If Terry Baker went out in sign wave today and he called me up and said, Ryan, would you mind coming up and helping me sign wave? I would actually do it. Wow. What about okay. Robin Sticker? No, I hate Robin. <laughs> What, no, no, wait. What if, what if Robin came to you and asked you, "Hey, Ryan, I, I need you to I come." I don't hate Robin Vicker. That was a joke. And I need you to help me find the courthouse. No, it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> Robin Vicker. You know, just, it, so, Robin just Vicker. in my personal opinion, because I'll, I'll tell you this, like, I, I think if you look on campaign finance forms, I think I gave like forty bucks to vote, and that was to go to one of his little party things that he invited a bunch of the YRs too, but you know, if one of them, if any of them asked me to sign wave, I'd tell them hell no, wait till after the primary. You know, but that hasn't stopped me from helping them with campaign activities and stuff that's within my skill set. I've assisted all of them except Ficker because he's an idiot. Well, he is an idiot, and we all know that. And uh, um, you know, I just want to understand what's up with this Red Maryland beef with Ami. I mean, they really, they just really have a problem. It seems like. With her, I mean, and then they say they first they invited her. They said they invited her on her show, and then she had a previous commitment. She couldn't show up, and then they have Brian Griffith. Brian Griffith is the sole person behind all of this. I mean, let's not mince words. He's he is a deeply, deeply, um, you know, he's a religious theocrat, and and I, I don't want to mince words here. Um, oh, and then Brian Griffith just wrote on his Twitter page. Don't settle for don't don't settle for minor league coverage of MD politics during snot, Snowzilla. We've got you covered. So, you know, little quips like that. Brian Griffiths is such an inconsequential little twerp that he is so 
Brian Griffith is like the kid on Facebook that pokes at you and pokes at you and says these things, but he would never say it to your face. I mean, he's just so lame. The guy, come on, you're you're, you're telling me, oh, don't settle for minor league coverage of MD politics. Like Brian, I, I see your tweet. Instead of being a passive aggressive little bitch that you are, then come out and say it. I mean, come out and say it. Excuse my language, but Brian Griffiths, if you're listening, you are so inconsequential in the grand scheme of Maryland politics. Like, I, I just want to look at you and say, you're such a little guy. You're you're a little guy with who's a total zero. Okay, come on. Then why are we talking about him so much? The reason why I'm I'm, I'm pulling this up is because Mr. Griffiths seems <clears throat> to think that he is. He's somehow important, and I just want to say, Brian, you're, I, I, I want. I wish you would call into this show. I wish you would call into this show now, and I could just have a conversation with him one on one. But he won't. He's do not going to show up anywhere where he doesn't control the microphone. Well, that's right, and the microphones that he does control are that don't work, anyways. <laughs> and you know, and I, I think the problem goes deeper than that, though, Ryan. On it, I think that people like Brian Griffiths in Red Maryland. I think they give Republicans a bad name overall. Okay, I think that they they make us all look bad. You know, when people say, what do people think of when they think of a Republican? They think of some old white guy with a cigar and a smoking lounge, you know, plotting their evil takeover of the world. Okay, that's exactly the type of person that Griffiths is, except he sits at the kitty table, not the not the big boy room or anything. And so, I think that's really important for people like. And he's not planning worldwide domination. He's trying to figure out how he's going to take over his living room back from the people he invited over who haven't left yet. (laughs) And so, you know, I think it's important. I I do think that it's important that people in this state realize that not every Republican is some crazy nutbag like Brian Griffiths or any, you know, any of the Red Maryland contributors, really. (laughs) I mean, they need to know that there is a, you know, there are other types of Republicans. We're not some, you know, monolithic, like, you know, theocrat advocate organization. Uh, I think, yeah, I think exactly. Paul and Griffiths, a theocrat, is giving him too much credit. That presumes that there's an actual ideology backing up what motivating him. And really, I think Stated. it's just he's chasing, he's chasing personal prestige and profit and, you know, and he he's just he's just worse at it than Trump is. I mean, it's but it's the same it's the same motif. It's the same agenda. Yeah, I, I just it, you know he they picked Ami Hober and it's fine. I mean they they want to go after for her, you know they want to make claims that she's pro-abortion. Okay, you know they want to attack her on whatever, but uh, I I just find <clears throat> they're silly little articles that they put out. I mean, I don't know if people... I mean, if you're listening to this and people who read Red Maryland, this is a punchline. And we've said this multiple times and it just makes me laugh because I have not ever... I have never attacked Red Maryland up until you know, they've they've started to say some really untruthful things and I just said, you know what? Screw it. These guys are duplicitous. Brian Griffiths is not... is, is is a person who has a problem telling the truth. And... And I just have a real problem with that. If they they want to present themselves as the as Maryland's premier conservative network or most trusted, I mean, you you were there when he said that, Jason, and everybody and we laughed at, at him. You were there, Eric. He was I giving his farewell speech from the YRs, and he, he was giving his farewell speech from the YRs. It was a very form. Well, 
I can't say it was a very formal event because we were holding it in a storage room. But he was standing behind a podium. He was giving his farewell address, and he said that, and people laughed at him. <laughs> I just, you know, in, I don't I've think, heard... I'm not sure the problem with Griffiths' dishonesty, though. I think he's really, well, in, in some cases it is, like when he's being paid to do so. Oh, I'm but I think sure. a large measure of it, a large measure of it, it is just delusional self-regard. Oh, it's 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 bad, and 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 I feel, you know, my friend Andrew Langer, and I don't know this other Jerry guy, but Andrew and I have been friends for quite some time, and it seems like they're defend, they just they're defending him, and I don't, I guess it's because they're Red Maryland alumni. Okay, I I, I understand the loyalty, but you know, they had this long drawn out Twitter <clears throat> thread with. Eric Beasley and and Eric, you you guys get into it. It's funny almost. Well, I'm usually pretty quick on the wit. You know, tw- Twitter is very <laughs> beneficial for that. But I gotta I gotta you know keep it under those 140 character limits. Yeah. Well, I don't want to talk about hardly listen to Red Maryland. I mean, they're they're it's just it. I they keep they keep releasing these articles. And we we know they're. I mean, I just I wonder how closely they're connected to certain campaigns, whatever. Uh, we'll dis, you know we'll dispute their articles when it needs to be. But um, people who take who pay attention to Brian Griffiths, um, you know he's just a, he's a mean little guy. I mean he's just a mean little guy that is desperate for an audience. And uh, finally, when somebody stands up to them, he doesn't know how to respond. I mean, Ami Hober released a, a response. The day after, and you know he just goes after Ami tenfold, and he, Brian Griffiths got his little ego bruised. I just, I think it's sad. It's a sad. It's sad for a little guy like that. For uh, I, I want to give some kudos to uh, Ami Hober real quick because anytime somebody criticizes her or her campaign, she does respond. Okay, when I released the article about uh, her uh, campaign website being hacked. Sure enough, they were right on that, all right? They replied right away, and they said, okay, here's the deal. Here's what happened, okay? And you know what? Good for them, all right? You know, I, I honestly, uh, you know, when she responded like that, that boosted her uh, credence with me. You know, I'm actually a little more uh, likely to vote for her now. She does need to uh, develop a slightly thicker skin, though. I mean, it, politics is... is the phrase is politics is blood sport. Um, and if you're going to come back every time somebody takes a shot at you and say, this is a nasty underhanded trick that's just dishonest and, and evil and nasty and bad and wrong. <laughs> when it's like that's standard true. practice, you're going to end up looking like a great big crybaby. You're going to look, you know, I, I can't, I can't disagree there because, because, you know, one of the things that they did say in their rebuttal was that they felt that, you know, maybe I was, you know, serving some sort of ulterior motive to support another candidate or something like that, which absolutely is not true. Uh, Ryan can most likely vouch for that. You know, sure, of I, I'm not, I am not, you know, trying to back any horse in my reporting. My reporting, I try to keep it fair and honest. Well, you do, Ken. And, uh, you know, we try to, but uh, the 6th District, was anyone surprised that David Vogt really swung back that hard? I kind of was. I didn't. I didn't really think that it was going to go that route. It doesn't surprise me. They nobody wants to talk about real issues, so they'd rather trade barbs on you know and the thirty eighth most important issue. 
it's interesting. Uh, uh, I, I just well at this point at this point the wedge play, issue. especially this early before the primary, it's more than that though, because while the pro life movement is relatively small, it's also relatively active. It's going to be much harder for somebody for a candidate to get a whole bunch of volunteers by coming out against civil forfeiture or um, a, a general platform of lower taxes than just by saying, I'm pro-life, come and vote for come and help me. Because those people will get out and they'll make it happen. That's, that's, yeah. the, that's the problem. Um, that's, that, that's why it's always... That's, that, that is why when there are two Republicans in a race and one of them is somewhat squishy on the abortion issue, that's why it comes down that way. Because those people get out and go. <clears throat> yeah, and but let's be honest too. Okay, if you look, look, let's look at this from an election perspective. A pro-choice person has been elected in the sixth district for the last two cycles. So obviously, this isn't a very important issue within the district. <laughs> it, of course, I'm yeah. talking about John Delaney. So, yeah, right. I mean, yeah, it's like, the same like, guy. Like, Only so well, yeah, so I, let's I, be honest with ourselves. Nobody, this is not going to, this issue is not going to win a general election. Okay, you it know might either. win a primary, but but the that, but the volunteers will volunteers well, will help win the win the general election. Do, do you and know why the they're all attacking her? Will make that happen. Do we know why that that they're all attacking her? Let's be honest. Well, because she's the only one that can actually raise the uh, finances necessary. It, ding 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 ding. What do you have for him, Johnny? She can raise the money. That's why there's a big red target on her back. She, Ami ah, can no pun intended. Yeah, I mean, she can raise well, the money. She's also, she's also got the money already. Well, Not she enough has... to go toe-to-toe with uh, Delaney, but uh... she's got significant personal assets. Um, and, 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 and now they're trying to say, I saw this last night on... Um, there's a page out there um, that is a uh, Facebook page. It's called Maryland CD6 Republican Primary. And uh, Dan McHugh, who is a an avowed um, Frank Howard supporter, and uh, Dan McHugh is a Montgomery County young Republican. It's Eric Beasley's favorite young Republican. Um, <laughs> and Dan said that there's a super, super PAC being run by Hober's husband, and it's a conflict of interest. And Dan McHugh wrote on this page, hashtag stay tuned. So um, I'm assuming that they're going to try to launch an attack piece against Hober wait, for running. Wait, 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 wait. Back up. The, uh, the super PAC is being run by her husband? No, that's not true. It's being run by Maryland USA PAC. No, no, the PAC itself. Who is, who is the person in charge of that organization? The organizations person, don't run organizations. People run organizations. Who right. is the person in charge of that organization? If uh, that person is her husband, that's illegal not. coordination. Well, there, it's not, Jason. If her it's, husband, if her husband, well, hey, if her husband has any kind of connection to that organization, J- Jason, Jason, there's, there's no Jason, way, they, Jason, they, 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 not there is no coordination. I can tell you, I've asked the lawyer. I've asked three separate lawyers. There is no illegal coordination. The only thing that Ami Hober's husband has done is donate to this pack, which is not illegal. Not illegal in okay, yeah. the movement. Uh, Eric? Um, 
Give me a sec. I'm looking up ND Chris to see who's actually in charge of that super PAC. They have no quarterback. Super PACs run. Super PACs run issue ads. You're not going to find. You shouldn't. If they're on MD or, Chris, they're not a super PAC. Or PAC. Whatever. Okay. Shut up. It's the maker's mark. It's the super PAC. But I have a question. The defi- well, the, 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 the point of a super PAC is that you don't have to disclose the donors because you're not running a political campaign. You're running issue ads. Now, right, they're all this is absolutely a, a, a bullshit legal uh, manipulation, but that's, that's where it is. You will never see an ad run by a super PAC say, vote for so-and-so, vote against so-and-so, but they will run ads saying so-and-so is a horrible person who doesn't deserve public office. But they won't well, tell you to vote against that person. That's not what the Hober campaign uh, – well, the Hober campaign, first of all, has said that they're not going to attack unless they're, they're attacked first. But what I've seen from Maryland PAC USA – and in fact, if you go to your browser, pull it up, um, they've already – they're starting to run ads. And this was a story in National Journal the other day, um, Maryland USA PAC. Okay, here we go. I'm pulling this up in my journal. Um, they're going to – they're actually – from what I understand, the Super PAC is going to release the names of the donors at the end of January. And I think the person that's running it is a guy by the name of Tom Norris. Okay, the, the, the Maryland USA PAC is a PAC, not a Super PAC. Right. There is a significant difference. Yeah. Um, now, the campaign finance laws are all bullshit. They're all candidate <laughs> protection rackets. They're all incumbent protection rackets. Uh, okay. But the philosophical setting the philosophical question aside, setting the fact that it's just uh, the whole thing is to make challenging an incumbent impossibly difficult. The, the there are there are important legal distinctions between PACs and super PACs. PACs have to disclose their donors. They have to keep appropriate records. They're subject to contribution limits, and they can run ads that say vote for, vote against. Uh, super PACs don't have to disclose their donors. They're not subject to contribution limits. Uh, billionaires can dump an unlimited amount of money in them. Um, and they they can't say vote for, vote against, um, oppose, support, whatever. But they can say call your senator or they can say so-and-so is horrible on this bill and is a horrible human being and doesn't, like I said, doesn't deserve public office or Shouldn't bother like the ones against Marco Rubio. Well, let me he say this: show up to work. Why should he hold the job? You can no, do that because those are also quote unquote neocon. issue ads. Okay. Um, here's what, according to that, according to uh, to the Super PAC, Maryland PAC USA. When you go to the donate page, it says That's Maryland USA. PAC. It says Maryland USA is a non-connected, PAC. independent expend, expenditure-only political committee i.e. a federal super PAC that is registered with the Federal Election Commission and is exempt from federal taxation under Section 527 of the Internal Revenue Code. Maryland USA spending is independent. It does not make contributions to or coordinate its spending with any candidate or political party. Uh, Maryland USA may, may accept unlimited contributions from any source, including individuals, political committees, and corporations, but nay but may not accept contributions from federal contractors or foreign nationals. Federal law requires Maryland USA to use its best efforts to collect and report the name, mailing address, occupation, and name of employer of each individual 
who contributes who contributions exceed two hundred dollars in a calendar year. Okay. So are you guys still there? <laughs> yeah. I'm Eric? just looking. You know, I mean it's a super packed treasure is this guy named Joel uh, Ritter. Uh yeah. down in D C. You know, so like you know, what my guess would be again, like I had said earlier, okay, people people read the headlines and they don't actually look for the facts. So somebody says, Oh, well, you know, Ami Hober's husband is, is funding this pack, Murr and then people just believe it to be true. Okay. It's the same reason why Donald Trump's so popular. All right. He just says something and nobody cares if it's factual or not. So right. you know, again, this this is the this is the politics that you get from the from the politicos. You know, the facts are not relevant. What's relevant is how can I use this against my opponent? Right. Well, they also – Red Marilyn wrote this piece yesterday that said, Ami Hober pro-abortion since at least 1979. Uh, they said that Hober donated $200 in 79 to an organization called the Women's Campaign Fund. Uh, <coughs> also, they, they, they're they trying to say – you know, they, they, they came out with an article first that said she lived in, like, Alexandria, which is completely wrong. Whoever – Whoever did this hack journalism job, probably Brian Griffiths, who, whose journalism is just not journalism; it's a joke. Um, <clears throat> you know, they're saying that she she made these contributions to these progressive women's organizations. Um, and I just want to say that most of the organization, the organizations that she's belonged in, to I don't understand where they're coming from. They're like they're they're saying that she's pro-abortion by the nature of just this organization. And that's ridiculous. Eric, you pointed out the logic uh, a few days ago. Oh, yeah, yeah, of course. I mean, okay, let's – okay, I, I I hate to say it, but I'm going to have to break to everybody. Ami Hober is a very experienced woman, okay? <laughs> She's like 75, all right? So Three. You think – or 73, sorry, in that ballpark, all right? So she probably joined these organizations when she was, you know, in like the 60s, the 70s, okay? So to judge – an organization today based on what it was, you know, 30, 40, 50 years ago, I think it's completely unfair. Like, okay, here, here's a good example, all right? I think the NAACP back in the 60s and 70s was a great organization. Sure. Today, they're just a mouthpiece for the Democrat Party. So if we apply that same logic, we, we can't hold her responsible because she was, you know, she formed a local chapter of a group that today is a bunch of nutbags running it. Like, we don't know what it was like when she joined. We don't know what it was like. I, I, I wasn't alive in 19, you know, in the 60s, so I couldn't tell you what type of organization it was. But it also, I, I think that's, a, I think it's a completely unfair line of attack. It, it, it is devoid of facts. Well, you don't it expect is, it is not Go ahead, Jason. It is not unreasonable to ask a candidate. You know, a, a while ago, you you came out with a with a particular position. You haven't commented on it since. Do you still hold that position? But it's quite different to say, well, you were a member of these organizations ages and ages and ages and ages ago. Clearly, you support their their uh, supported their mission then and supported their current mission. It would be reasonable to ask on the if, has she changed her position. Um, but it, it, or, or even just ask, hey, why did you join this organization back whenever you did? And let her tell the story. I mean, right. she could come back and say, hey, I was 18. And they sounded like a, they were legit back then. 
Um, and there are a lot of organizations, especially today, but even well, back then, that were that were on paper pro woman, but were basically just abortion fronts. Well, I mean, the abortion debate, the abortion debate is is so is is really uh, sinister, I guess, in 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 the way it works is that all these organizations that you know. They're pro-women, they're pro-family, they're pro-whatever, but they're not. They're just pro-choice or pro-life. So well, I think it's, that it's it's, it's, uh, it's not unreasonable to look at an organization that's affiliated with Democrats and claims to be pro-women and say, okay, they're just pro-choice. Like uh, the National Organization for Women, I don't think has uh, done any significant media against the treatment of women uh, in ISIS-controlled territory but i'm fairly confident that in the last 6 months they've they've published some media criticizing republicans on abortion <clears throat> i mean but but here's the question going into a general election uh if you're rabidly pro i i'm talking about if you're if you are using the the life issue which i think you know it is what it is but if you're going against john delaney in a general election and half of your constituency is based in Montgomery County. Um, guys, how's that going to play? Well, That's based on point. results, it's not. <laughs> I mean, Delaney was Delaney beat two pro-life candidates in a row. Um, you know, Roscoe Bartlett, Dan Bongino. So obviously, um, you know, it's not an issue that they really care about down there. And yeah, unfortunately, yeah. Montgomery County is 54% of the voters. So, you know... Kind of deal with it. <laughs> Montgomery County, or setting Montgomery County aside, Bongino almost won that last cycle. That's why there's almost a dozen Republicans running in this race. That's why Hober and Howard, who don't even live in that district, are going to that district because they feel it's more favorable than where they currently live. So, I mean, it, I, did Bongino really make his campaign, I'm pro-choice, vote for me? Or was it, I'm a fighter, I've done all these things, I've got good recognition, you know who I am, you know, give me a shot? Yeah, no, the, the, whole, the line that I kept saying over and over again, full disclosure, I volunteered for Dan Bongino for a while. It was, you know, keep your money, keep your health care, pick where your kids go to school. That's what we yeah. said on, in, on everybody's door. That that's brilliant. I mean, and that's why he was successful. And and speaking of Dan Bongino, um, you know, here's a guy that is now down in Florida and in and, and, and is soon going to be running for the United States Senate there. Um, on I, I, I is is, yeah. is he actually running this cycle? Yes, Eric. Because okay, there's some. Well, I haven't heard anything yet, so... Well, I've heard from multiple sources, and I released a story and I, uh, the other day. I mean, I, I released an article that, um, yes, it's being reported by multiple people that Dan is set to announce on February the 22nd to jump in the U.S. Senate race. And, um, you know, it's... it's The Senate I, race? Yeah, the Senate race, that that Marco Rubio's abandoning, abandoning the seat uh, to run for president because he said he would not run again. Um, 
Dan has a big network. He's nationally known, and he can raise money. So, I mean, this might be something that uh, he can he can do. Well, while it's great that he's nationally known, how well is he known in Florida? Eric, well, I guess we're going to find think? out in the next. Uh, <laughs> we'll find out in the next few weeks. I mean, um, you know, I mean, I've seen rumblings about it, of course, and uh, it doesn't seem like too many people are excited about that Florida Senate race down there. And uh, isn't that super crazy Democrat running for that seat, Alan, Alan Grayson? He's a nut. Yeah, I mean, honestly, that guy is—he's batshit crazy. Right. Oh yeah. So I would move down there if it meant keeping him out of the Senate. I would think. <laughs> like, no, Alan. Alan Grayson is not crazy. Alan Grayson has no conscience. He's more than willing to lie to get his t- to make a point, even if that point is false, because the point helps him. He hey, may, maybe him and Griffiths conscience. are buddies. <laughs> That's true. Well, they probably are. He's, he's, won uh, U.S. Congress seats twice now as a challenger, so he's a little more effective than Biden. Um, you know, I think that, that Dan Bongino, who who almost won MD06, almost won the seat, came in within 2,700 votes, very close, and that's why John Delaney is so actively busy. Uh, you see him everywhere. He's doing a lot of uh, grassroots reach out. Uh, he's trying to um, step up his game. Um, I, I think that Dan will. I don't know the layout of Florida politics. I've only read what I've read through the the news and through blogs. But it seems to me that Ron DeSantis is the conservative choice in this primary. Are you guys familiar with Ron DeSantis? I have insufficient information to draw any conclusions. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> no opinion. Never heard. Either of way, I think. But uh, but then you go over to uh, the the eighth congressional district, uh, and there is absolutely no settled field in that Republican primary. I mean, uh, Gus Alzona is running. I mean, I I think uh, he's, that he's going to win. <laughs> that guy's totally legit. Like he he is the most sane person. In Montgomery County. In case you're wondering, I'm making air quotes with my hands right now. Uh, well, let's. Yeah, air quotes. Air quotes don't work on audio only broadcasts. So your <laughs> yeah, has no. to be a little more explicit. No, uh, that's crazy. Sure, sure they do. Let me give you an example. Go Naser. Ahead, there you go. There's an example. Air quotes working on audio. Hey Ken. <laughs> there we go. Hey Ken. You're up in Washington County, and of course we have. You and I went way back with Washington County politics. You've been following. You and I sat on the flip side together on yep. Wednesday evening. We taped a an hour long television show, and we had a discussion about one of the acting county commi- Well, actually, the only acting county commissioner in Washington County. His name is Vincent G. Woody Spong. And uh, Ken, why don't you run through what's happening up in Washington County? <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. So you know what? First of all, I am going to say, you know, I have given Woody the benefit of the doubt, and I have actually even defended Woody uh, on multiple occasions. 
All right, when this whole thing uh, with Donna Brightman blew up. Okay, so, all right, real quick, quick rundown how he got in. Uh, one of our Washington County commissioners got appointed to a delegate seat. Uh, the Washington County Central, a uh, Republican Central Committee uh, says, hey, we want to uh, interview candidates for uh, Washington County Commissioner. Okay, great. Lots of people, very well known throughout the community, submit their names in. Some of them got interviewed. Some of them didn't even get interviewed. Somehow Woody Spong uh, becomes... I, have, uh, I don't want to step on anybody, but I think I have some breaking news at the moment. Go ahead. Um, I'm just uh, flipping through Facebook as we're going. Uh, yeah. Councilman David Marks of Baltimore County has posted that the roof at the Concordia Prep Baltimore Lutheran Fieldhouse has collapsed. Uh-oh. Excessive snowfall. So, oh, no. Wow. Wow. Well, so, yeah, you know, related note... And the whole thing is a great big mess. Related note, the uh, the pier at Ocean City has also suffered some major damage. Due to yeah, the, the pier is underwater. Part um, of it's actually gone now. Yeah, I think that's... that's Yeah, and, and, and I don't know where you... You guys... Ken, you're down in Boonesboro. Eric, you're in Brunswick. Uh, Jason, you're over in Baltimore uh, County, and things are things are really really bad, uh, in in down in Ocean City. And uh, Kim Kim Mueller, who is in the house, and she is listening. She has she's been following the news very closely. Kim, in fact, could be a weather uh, a weather reporter because uh, she always has the breaking news on these stories. Um, and she may call in to to give her the update, but um, Ken, can you go back to Spong? What's going on? I mean, we've sure, all heard sure. about it. So, you know, so he becomes uh, county commissioner. You know, a little bit questionable on the nomination. All right, and then you know, one of the biggest problems was nobody is. I mean, there's a large percentage of the county who hasn't even heard of this guy before. Okay, apparently he used to be involved with. Uh, the Washington County Teachers Union, uh, years, years, years ago, was a registered Democrat at the time, has since switched to Republican. Um, so basically, he uh, he got into a little bit of a disagreement with uh, Board of Education uh, elected official Donna Brightman. Uh, he used a rather sexist uh, joke. Now, I'm just going to say this is all alleged. All right, he allegedly used a, a rather sexist joke about facts and yeah. ladies of the evening doing whatever you he want said, them to. He said facts are like whores. Once you get them on their back, they'll okay. be able to do it. I, I, I wasn't going to quote it, but there you oh. go. Oh, uh, I know. <laughs> it's internet radio. Then, uh, we can get away with it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then, uh, so, you know, there was a big blow up on that. And a lot of pe- And then, uh, you know, there's been a lot of controversy with the education hub. And uh, now, apparently, you know, some people are saying that the county commissioners all voted against the education hub uh, as revenge against Donna Brightman because she brought that whole sexist remark to the newspaper. Um, You know, and you know what? All that stuff, you know, I have defended Woody. I have given him the benefit of the doubt. I've said, okay, it's all alleged. It wasn't in public. It was just to Donna Brightman. And you know, I, I have I have given this guy every opportunity I can. Okay. But then 
the day before Martin Luther King's birthday, Acting Commissioner Spong shares a racist meme featuring Buckwheat, saying that he has converted to the Muslim religion and is now known as Kareem of Wheat, and that uh, they're hoping he doesn't become a serial, you know, C-E-R-E-A-L killer. All right. Um, what a dummy! Wow. Okay. You know what? Either the the you know either he's just not thinking, or he's an absolute genius. All right. Now the reason I say he's an absolute genius is because we have always had a problem in Washington County with people not caring about local politics. Well, he is making people start to care. Okay. And you know what? Eh, maybe that is a good thing after all. Um, but at the same time, you know, wow. You know, I, I mean, I can think of 364 other days of the year that that meme would have probably been inappropriate. But yeah. to share it the day before Martin Luther King's birthday is just kind of icing on the cake. So, so this guy is not going to get the – he's not going to be confirmed by the Maryland Senate. Well, you know, I don't know. Okay, so th- this is where I think things really got get to uh, become tricky. Okay, right. because if they don't confirm him because of that, then they have set precedent. Okay, and the the issue with that is now all of a sudden, oh well, there's something controversial about this nominee, and you all already didn't, you know, accept this nominee because of, uh, you know, something controversial. Well, this nominee shouldn't be, you know, said either. So I don't know how it's going to go. Um, I think it's going to be pretty freaking interesting. Um, but, you know, it, oh, man, what a mess in Washington County. It really is. Hey, uh, yeah, that, that, go ahead, Jason. That would raise, that would raise significant First Amendment questions. Um, is he being punished for right. the speech, or is the legislature using that as a reflection of, of poor judgment and saying, because of this, we don't think he – because of right. his act. We don't think he would be a a good uh, county leader. Well, the the delegation is not really standing behind him. Yeah, yeah, and you know, I still need to send out an email to. I'm actually going to send an email to the Republican Central Committee as well as all the current county commissioners, and I'm going to say, hey, can I get a comment on this? Because you guys know I do run Washco Chronicle, uh, you know, the local news here in Western Maryland. And, you know, I really wanted to write something on this, but I'd love to give them a chance to provide their side of the story, provide their thoughts. Because, like I said, I I like to be totally unbiased and fair in my reporting, regardless of my personal views. Yeah. <clears throat> Can the Washington County Central Committee, do they know how to use email? No. I yes, know, they I know, do. No, you know I what? Know, like, no, I, am, I am going to say right now, okay, this is a very – they are rather tech-savvy. They all have email accounts. They all have Facebook accounts. They're all pretty tech-savvy. You know, I'm going to give them kudos for that. You know, so, I mean uh, – now, Commissioner Spong, I'm not sure how tech-savvy he is or not because I don't know if he realizes that what the stuff that he was sharing was set to public uh, settings or not. The fact that this guy has his name before a Senate nominations committee and even sharing anything remotely – Remotely controversial. Well, okay, so so let's let's rewind for just a minute. All right, let's not forget one of the first photos that we actually saw of the guy is a picture of him sitting in the driver's seat of a car 
with a bunch of beer cans in the back seat. Okay. Oh, yeah. That right there should have been a tip off that we are going to be in for one hell of a ride. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, hey, listen, guys, it's the top of the hour, and we are going to go to the news. Uh, Kim Mueller is following the weather Armageddon situation here in the state of Maryland. It is blizzard, hashtag blizzard 2016. Snowmageddon is here. And um, Kim is the topper shut of Montgomery County. Kim Mueller, you are upstairs. You are following this. I mean, like a real meteorologist is following the weather. I'm quite impressed. You update me every half hour on the hour. And uh, what's going on with the weather? Well, guys, I don't know if you'll out your window, but, yes, it is snowing. Um, but, yeah, we're supposed to get about two to three inches per hour um, until around midnight, they say. So just if you haven't had enough, get prepared because, oh, my God, that's right. Um, and, yes, there was a roof collapse at um, the Concordia Prep School in Towson. It's right off of 695, um, for those of you who are familiar with Baltimore County. There also was a roof collapse in Poolsville um, for a barn, and some horses are stuck. So there's your your latest oh, and greatest update. And apparently Ocean City is um, completely flooded. Um, parts of 50 are shut down. Keep going, Kim. Um, so, yeah, um, let's see. West Ocean City, um, all areas south of U.S. 50 and Ocean City and Philadelphia Avenue are closed due to high water. Um, the fishing pier apparently has been destroyed again. The inlet is underwater in Ocean City. And other than that, we're just going to get a whole heck of a lot more snow before it's all over with. We're all just drinking, too. That's the well, only thing we yeah. can do. Um, and Governor Hogan and the Maryland State Police um, ask everyone to please stay off the road so they can get their job done. But a lot of them are actually suspending operations because we're about to get the worst part of it. Mm. So <clears throat> I think roads are going to be pretty bad for a while. So Our cat home. tried to get out in the snow today, and he did not like yes, the snow. Yes, he did. <laughs> no, he's not a fan of the snow. Eric Beasley, do you have any animals? Uh, yeah, I got a, I got a dog. Oh, you have um, a dog? Uh, yeah, a big uh, uh, 80-pound mutt. And uh, right now, he basically swims through the snow. Um, I do have a contribution for our weather update. Uh, it sounds like Brunswick is now completely isolated from the rest of Maryland. Um, looks like all the roads in and out of our city are closed. Uh, hopefully, mm. this means we can proceed to Virginia. <laughs> well, there's somebody no, else that is. There's somebody because, close. Uh, if you secede to Virginia, McAuliffe will be your governor. We know he doesn't actually plow. Well, we know one blogger and radio podcaster is from Virginia who is now posting in the Frederick County Republican Club. Isn't that interesting, Eric? Uh, yeah, I think I think he was confusing his Frederick counties. You know, there's a there's one in Virginia, one in Maryland. They're <laughs> they're two different places. So you know, I, I can understand some confusion here, but uh, you know, the Republican Club of Frederick County, Maryland. Maybe may we need to change our title. I don't know. Yeah. Hey, Kim. Um, while you're on the line with us, and thank you for the update. On the snow, um, sure. Because I I spend every every waking moment of my life sitting next to you during the snowstorm. Uh, when we were preparing for this show, you you had some interesting thoughts, and um, I always 
You know, your 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 commentary is often much different than mine about politics. And Ken, Eric, and Jason and I, we we talked earlier about the Ami Hober situation, and you weren't very happy earlier. No, I, I have to say, uh, as a woman, I have um, a, a woman. slightly different perspective on it all. I know it's shocking, isn't it? Oh. Newsflash. Um, You're very cute. If you didn't but, know that already, Ryan, I'm concerned. <laughs> oh, I, yeah. I, I get yeah, internet radio. I, guess, we can I make find it interesting that this is such I think, I think a, a polarizing issue for a congressional candidate when, first of all, it's a non-entity in Congress. Um, second of all, she's the only woman running, and I don't know, I just think for everyone to come out and attack her on her views is completely asinine, pardon my French. Um, asinine is not a bad word, hun. Well, you know, whatever. Yeah, it's, it's actually a fine word. It's, it's, you can actually use it in polite conversation. Yeah, <clears throat> but know. no, I think it's more... Um, you, but you, you've talked about... You see the tweets that are being sent out and the social media activity. Red Maryland is a flutter with trying to make themselves more impressive than what they are. And I just think it's funny that you, you, you've said a lot. Um, what are your thoughts yeah. about Well, I just think they're, they're attacking her, obviously, for a reason. She has um, – and I, I'm not backing anyone at this point, so I'm just going to put that and out there. And, and, and I mean, anybody who's listening – hold on. I'm, I, I don't mean to interrupt you, Kim – this is true. We're not backing anybody. I mean, if any Republican would ask us to help them, we would help them. And Kim, you are totally independent, and you and I have had many disagreements on candidates, have, haven't we? Yes, we do sometimes. It, it has happened. Except for I Rand guess, Paul. Well, except for Rand Paul, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, obviously, her resume is no one can touch her resume. And as a woman, I think that just makes her resume even more incredible. Um, and she obviously can raise the funds. Um, and like it or not, money is an issue in politics, especially when you're going against Delaney. Um, so obviously I think the fact that they're attacking her is the fact that you know she has two important issues that make her a very viable candidate to go up against Delaney and actually win. Yeah. I mean, I, I like Frank. I like, you know, Terry's always been very nice to me. I don't have anything, you know, negative about any of them except one I don't count as a candidate. Who's um, that? So, Sicker. <clears throat> he's he's Thicker? a joke. He's a clown. Yeah. Um, wow. But, you know, I just think she's a very viable candidate, and obviously she's not their candidate. So they're throwing their little temper tantrum and yeah. doing what they do in order to make their candidate look better. But yeah. really, it's a non-issue. And yeah. I just think, as a woman, I find it quite, at some times, infuriating that all these men have this very volatile stance on whether or not you're pro-life or pro-choice, when, yes, it does affect you, but I surely, as a woman, don't want someone in Washington, especially a man, telling me what I can and can't do with my body. And I think even a lot, of, I mean, and I, a lot of pro-life women are getting to that point when it gets to the point where people like Red Maryland are so in your face about it. So, I mean, I hope it backfires for them. Comments from the the white males on this show. <laughs> um, after, hold on, I need, let me just check my privilege for just a sec. 
Okay, I, I am a cisgendered heterosexual white male of middle class origin. Um, so just putting that out there right now. Um, Part of that triggers something for me. Yes, if that tr- I, I'm sorry for triggering you. Okay, my microaggressions are really showing. Um, I, I, you know, I think that the the in your face nature of I guess the pro life movement. It's you know the only comparison I can even come up with is the in your face nature of the the LBGT or the feminist movement. I mean, that's the only real comparison to make. But ironically, they're both on opposite sides of the issue, of different issues. One is heavily Democrat, one is heavily Republican. They, they use the same tactics, and they cry when people don't like what they say. So it's kind of like the, you know, the weirdest thing, in my opinion, that they're, here's two groups that are opposed politically, yet they engage in the same tactics, and they cry about when the other group does the same thing that they're doing. That's a very good point, and I, I agree with you there. Um, interesting. Hey, I, I want to move on to uh, the Maryland General Assembly. There was a couple of veto overrides this past week, and they veto the the, the House of Delegates over um, passed an, uh, an override. Uh, they voted what eighty five to sixty five, I believe, or something like that, um, for they now felons um, who are on parole and probation can uh, can vote. Um, and they overrode the veto about the decriminalization and a couple other things they um and that were important. So I mean, there's like five or six. So most importantly, they overrode the civil the the veto on the civil forfeiture bill. Yeah, police can no longer and and I actually read just today yeah. that the three hundred dollar limit was selected. Because that's approximately how much you would spend during an hour hour consultation with an attorney. Um, so this is the three hundred dollar limit is basically uh, to prohibit the police from saying uh, this is a hundred and fifty dollars you're carrying on you. Um, we can use it for our departmental projects. You, if you sue to get it back, you're going to spend at least twice that much. So. Upon training, experience, information, and belief, I think this is drug money, so I'm going to seize it, sue to get it back. I agree that's, with that's you. What the bill, that's what that bill was intended to prohibit. Yeah. But the, but the, and here's here's the worst part about what happened. And I have a piece on this. Um, at least one of the state's attorneys out of Harford County, Casley. Straight up lied in his uh, column, in his op-ed, in I think the Baltimore Sun, and presumably to, because I got this from a few legislators I called as well, lied to the legislators as well. He said, this is just so we can take money from drug dealers. If we don't have civil forfeiture, we can't seize this money. That's actually a lie. The only circumstance in which they could not seize the money and uh, from from a known drug dealer, is if they let the drug dealer go without arresting. Yeah. So once you arrest somebody, you have custodial possession of the property that they had on them at the time. Then you can put the money and the drugs into evidence, which means you get to hold it for longer, and they have to request it back once they're released from incarceration. <clears throat> yeah. And then once you convict them, you can criminally forfeit the money and pocket it. It's just a lot easier to say, we're going to take this cash, we're going to spend it on projects in our department, 
and we're just gonna roll that way. And if you don't want, and if you don't want us to have it, sue us to get it back. There are a few, and this isn't just a problem in Maryland; it's a problem nationwide. There are a few notorious uh, highways in the U.S. Uh, along the southern border, running north south, that are not only drug corridors but they're forfeiture corridors. The police are no longer looking for money or for for drugs; they're looking for money. So what ends up what ends up happening is they end up pulling people over. They end up saying, can I search your car? The person says, no. Well, I'll run the drug dog around it. And there was a civil suit recently against the department where um, the officer actually on the, ca- on, on the dash cam itself was visually signaling the dog to alert. So it's gotten to the point now where they're just like, okay, we're going to search your car. We're going to take any cash you got. So, so let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. Why did Hogan ever veto this bill? That's because a good he believed the lie. He 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 believed the lies of law of of the law enforcement uh, apparatus, the unions and whatever. I don't want to say the average police officers because that's not. Um, what do you think, Eric? But they they were all like, "This will prevent us from seizing drug dealer money." Well, I think first off, I mean the. Uh, I think he, I I would agree with the assessment of misinformation. I, I wouldn't say that the like the uh, fraternal order of the police was lying, but I think that this was one of those issues that uh you know people just kind of automatically assume that police will always do the right thing, which is you know unfortunately that's not a fair assumption because police do do the wrong things. That's why they get arrested and they go to jail. Or as for example, here in Baltimore last year, there was a cop who was pimping out his, uh, a 15 year old girl as a prostitute. You know, that guy was arrested and sent to jail. Okay. As he should have been. Um, but I think the, uh, you know, as, as the, the whole, co- basically civil asset forfeiture is based on the idea of it's better to beg forgiveness than to ask permission. So the cops come, they take it from you, they make it financially not feasible for you to get your stuff back, so you just give up. Okay? So that's how the cops are operating. They're operating on, we'll take it, and then we'll fight about it later. You know, it's kind of, it's kind of how our government funds all of their programs through debt. You know, like, we'll ask, for we'll ask for forgiveness later, just give us the money now. And so I think it's kind of, it's a, I think it's a systemic problem, not just in the like the law enforcement, but it's just a, it's a government problem. Like we're going to take this all from you and then you have to argue about with us to get it back. And since our lawyers are paid with your tax dollars, it doesn't actually cost us anything. Yeah. Well, I wonder you know, like, what yeah. a shame, what a shame it is that our justice system is green, not black and white. It's of green. Course. It's how much justice can you afford it's, exactly. it's, it's not even it's not even that the justice system itself uh in terms of just arrests and that whole process it's geared toward conviction it's not geared toward justice well the yeah whole it's, system it's... Is, is, once you're arrested you're basically just railroaded unless you've got enough money to derail the train True. but aside from that i mean this the whole civil forfeiture system is quite literally policing for profit. Um, in Philadelphia, uh, the Institute for Justice has an entire video on this. Um, in Philadelphia, they are uh, forfeiting homes based on very minor drug sale offenses. You know, somebody came in and bought an ounce of weed from your nephew who was staying at your house overnight. So this is a drug house. We're seizing it. But that money actually goes directly to the prosecutors processing the 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 seizure. It's their money. It's their personal paycheck at the end of the year. It's the, it, it's what funds their salaries and they know that. And the whole process is designed there 
So it never goes before a judge. It never goes before a jury. It's processed exclusively by the people who, if they keep the money, they literally keep the money. It goes to them personally. It doesn't go to the department. It doesn't go to the police. It doesn't go to the state. It goes to them personally. So let's. I want to read a story real quick, and I'm very proud of a few of our state legislators, um, including one that I have often had disagreements with. Um, so here's a story regarding the civil asset forfeiture, and it was written by the Washington Times, and this was written in Annapolis. Uh, a guy by the name of Randy Sowers uh, is out $28,000. And under Maryland's current civil asset forfeiture laws, the government – well, before, I guess, before they passed it, the the government can seize property if they suspect someone of a crime, and the IRS suspected Mr. Sowers of money laundering. They showed up at his farm, and he owns a place in Washington County. Ken, you're probably familiar with this, South Mountain Creamery? I am. I am too. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Jason? Okay. Um, So – I know they, the story. They, I don't know the place. Yeah, so they showed up. They confiscated tens of thousands of dollars, and then they told him he was responsible for proving his innocence. Yeah. Um, actually, Frederick County, not Washington County, but yeah, I'm familiar with it. Okay. Um, and then Michael Huff, who is leading this charge on the Republican side, he said, that's a very simple thing. You should not in this country, as an American, lose your house, your property, if you were never convicted of anything. And Michael Huff joined with State Senator Jamie Raskin, who's running for Congress, and Democratic State Senator Bobby Zirkin of Baltimore County to put an end to the to to indiscriminate police seizures of assets. And so they had a press conference with Randy Sowers, the owner of South Mountain Creamery. And uh, I mean, this is what happened to this guy was tragic. They basically uh, they showed up to this guy's house took his money, and then said if we didn't fight them, they were, you know, if they said if we fight them, they weren't going to be satisfied with the $65,000 that was seized, and they're going to go after the whole $400,000. I, I mean, this is this is an injustice within our system. And yes. look, as a Republican, what I don't understand is why would – maybe it's because Governor Hogan is close with the police organizations, but why would he veto this bill? This this well, particular so, story, so, you know. Let, let me let me uh, go let ahead. Me bring go ahead. Up Ken, you can you go first, on this. and then go ahead. Yeah, let me bring up an important point on this. All right. So the entire reason that the money was seized, okay, was a teller informed the South Mountain Creamery uh, owners that if they deposited more than ten thousand dollars at once. Yeah. It would require filling out some sort of a form and get the special special attention of the IRS or something like that. Okay, so so they started depositing, you know, nine thousand nine hundred ninety nine dollars, whatever, at a time. All right, so they didn't have to fill that freaking form out. All right, in the process, it then triggered something saying, "Hey, we think these people might be." Uh, uh, trying to launder money or something like that, and that's what got the federal government's attention. Okay, now how freaking silly is that? That we're we're so tied up in bureaucracy that you know we've got 
well, if you if you deposit this amount of money, you're going to have to fill out this form, and it's going to draw the attention of the IRS. But if you deposit under that, you know, you don't have to fill out the form, but it's still going to draw the attention of somebody, and the police are going to come, and they're going to still take your money. You know, how, how silly is that? It's, oh, yeah. it's even worse than that. It's even worse than that because he is actually guilty of a felony under federal law. The teller is allowed to tell you that if you deposit more than $10,000 $10, or more, that you have to fill out the form. They are no, not they're allowed not to... allowed to tell you that. That's called structuring a transaction, and no, tellers no, no, are no, not no, allowed no. to tell you that. They're allowed to tell you that if you spend more than – if you deposit more than ten, um, you have to fill out the form. They are not allowed to tell you that deliberately depositing less than that amount is a federal felony. They are not allowed to tell you that that's a crime. So they well, can I can say, tell you that when I was a teller, it was illegal to say that if you do that, you have to fill out a form. So unless the law has changed since then, it's been a while. But we were not allowed to say if you deposit over $10,000, you have to fill out this form because then you were considered structuring a transaction along with the customer. But what happened I think with talking, Randy? I think we're talking past each other. Um, they, I mean, obviously they have to communicate that the person, that the individual has to, has to fill out the form, and they can explain why they have to fill out the form. But they can't say that depositing the money in a way so that you don't have to fill out the form is a separate felony. So he is guilty, and they could take all of his money. But that's a result of the ridiculousness of our money laundering laws and also the civil forfeiture scheme. It's a, it's a fantastic racket for the government because they can come in and say, we're seizing this $60,000. If you would like to go to jail, you can contest the forfeiture, and then we'll just have to prove that you're guilty of structuring the money. rather than laundering. What do you mean? Well, and, and he said, look, after a bank teller told him it would be a hassle to deposit more than $10,000, which is the highest deposit anyone could make without declaring it to the government – Randy Sowers and his wife, Karen, but that alerted federal agents under a federal law meant to identify potential money laundering, which showed up. Yeah, that's, that's structuring. And, that's a separate federal felony. Yeah, right. I mean, they, and then they showed up at his farm in 2012 and confiscated the $65,000. They could have taken everything. Yeah, I mean, they weren't even – he wasn't even charged with a crime, much less convicted, but he was unable that's to recover. They didn't, that's just because they didn't want to take him to court. Like he was – he's absolutely guilty. He's absolutely guilty of structuring. He's admitted it in the press. He's guilty of structuring. I don't think he intended to admit he's guilty of structuring. I don't even think he knows that structuring is a felony or a crime, let alone a felony. But he's admitted that he's guilty of structuring. Well, I mean if you want to break up your money, I don't know what, understand what the problem is. It depends it's on how you break that up under the $10,000 and one cent. If you continually deposit just under $10,000 over and over and over, that raises a red flag, and banks are required to report that. Even if it's so, just two – even if you just do two transactions separately to well, avoid the $10,000 Well, it was husband and wife, correct? So it's husband and wife, correct? So depending on how their bank accounts are set up and how they both deposited it and within a certain time frame, then yes, that could be considered structuring a transaction, especially after the teller said if you deposit over this amount, you're going to have to fill out this paperwork and it's a huge hassle. 
So that's yeah, but but that's here's the problem. Illegal. Here's the problem with this bill, and this is this is still an issue. This new bill would still allow police to seize property, but would make them return it all if the person is not convicted. There's still an issue there. I mean, no, they're well, taking part of. I mean, if 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 it's a copy of the original bill, um, what it would do is it would it would require police to return it within 90 days of of the seizure if they don't charge somebody. So yeah, they could drag out the proceedings indefinitely, but they still have to file that initial charge. And then you come up against the speedy trial requirement, so I'm wrong. They can't drag it out indefinitely. So you, then, you get, uh, then you get an acquittal and you get your stuff back. That's better than, than the system we have now where they can just take it, and that's it. That, that, that's, that's the system. They can just take it. Um, and there's really no good way to, to make it so that, the, so that the actually innocent person doesn't get their stuff seized and the obvious and the, and the genuinely criminal person does, you're going to have sometimes the, the police and everybody's going to get it wrong. That's why we have a confrontational justice system. That's that's why we have the whole process uh, that prosecutors try and avoid, well, so that it goes before a yeah. jury and they, they they decide. Yeah, yeah. I mean, civil but, assets forfeiture. Uh, I mean, it, it was there, the law was intended. There is going to have to be some point where the police can take your stuff and hold it as evidence, as custodial while you're in jail, as whatever, as the proceeds of crime, and then have some process on the back end to, to make sure it gets back if, if they can't demonstrate that. What we have right now is just we take it and that's it. If If you want to get it back, there's a second process for that. Well, you know, the original – Civil asset forfeiture law was intended to go after drug kingpins. That was the, I mean, that was the original point, but now it's it's being expanded, and and I think that it's largely violated some of the, it's largely violated the Constitution. Chalk surprised that when you eliminate due process uh, on the, in a for a specific for a specific purpose, that due process elimination is used elsewhere. Who would have thought that people who are given power don't necessarily exercise it respond? Oh, no, wait, I'm sorry. That's the reason we have a constitution in the first place. Yeah. Hey, Eric Beasley, um, we libertarians, we have have this quirky thing with, with marijuana and marijuana laws and the paraphernalia bill that Governor Hogan vetoed was overridden by the Maryland House of Delegates. They had three fifths, I believe, of the majority. And uh, what do you think? What say you on that? Well, so there, there's two problems here. Okay, so first off, of course, I, I'm a supporter of marijuana legalization. I think it should be regulated, just like cigarettes, alcohol, whatever else. I really, I, right. it's, I don't think it's a, it's a big deal. Like, you know, it's only illegal because. The old Department of Prohibition wanted to justify still existing, so they had to make up a problem and something else they had to use. So really, marijuana prohibition is just big government. So let's just start there. Now, 
the whole the, the the reason that this even came up is because back when the state legislature, I believe they legalized under what was it like ten ounces of marijuana or something like that. Right. They decriminalized it. Okay. One of the problems was is that there was two laws on the books concerning marijuana usage. There was the one that was actually having the marijuana, and the other was having the paraphernalia to utilize the marijuana. And they only they only decriminalized half of it, and they forgot about the paraphernalia. Now, a few years back, um, I think 23, I think all but one of the state's attorneys in, in the state of Maryland said they're not going to prosecute under the paraphernalia charge. Now, I think, so first off, the, the problem is, is that Democrats don't understand how law works, so they rush to pass a law, and they don't understand, you know, the full concept of what le- is legal and is illegal. If they really wanted to legalize marijuana, they should have legalized the bongs that go with it. Okay, so first off, just irresponsible legislation here. Um, Secondly, like, honestly, you know, we've seen based on results what uh, decriminalization and legalization has done in states like Colorado and Washington. And honestly, given the area that we're at, given the fact that you're within driving distance of, you know, a good of of 25% of the population of this country – like, let's just make it well, let's people sit in their little bars and smoke their marijuana, okay, do whatever the hell they want, let's take their tax money and like build some schools with it or something. I don't know. I mean <laughs> so I'm 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 glad that the veto is overridden. Um I think that any and, and I think that everybody should have supported the, the veto override just for the simple fact of it's already decriminalized. So why the hell are you making this illegal as well? Um, um I mean it's just common sense. Yeah. Great point. Uh, Delegate David Moon on his Facebook page, who's a civil libertarian, wrote that it's not a matter of if but when marijuana will be legalized in the state of Maryland. And I don't think it's going to be during a Hogan administration, however. No, definitely not. I mean, and that's 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 that leftover, like, you know, uh, moral majority that you still have, you know, shaking around in the Republican Party. Like, sure. we'll, we'll get over it eventually, but it's going to take a little while. The moral majority, which, Eric, that brings me to another point, is I cannot stand this party of religiosity that, the, that, that Republicans are still considered this moral Republican party that we're somehow um, have a right to be indignant about what we consider moral atrocities. I think that that is completely ridiculous, and we've got to stop with pushing our our own personal beliefs on other people. I mean, wouldn't you agree? Yeah. I mean, this whole on- idea that, that well, that's a two way street, though. That, yeah, go that's ahead, definitely Cameron. a two way street because you know, you know, I, I mean, personally, I don't want to push my personal beliefs on anyone, but at the same time, they better not be pushing their personal beliefs on me. Yeah. yeah. There's a comic yeah, I, I read where they and it, a villain comes down and he's mind controlled this group of people and the heroes are confronting him and he just kind of shrugs and he says you guys are so intolerant of other people's beliefs and I mean, you want to push your beliefs on me and the response is but you're mind controlling people into a cult that worships you and his response is well I believe that's okay you're going to have to push some beliefs on people, even if the belief is leaving each other the hell alone. It's it's simply not feasible to say, you know, don't push your beliefs on anybody. Um, 
and I'm not going to do it either, because the first half of that statement is an expression of belief that you're trying to push on people. There are things that are right and wrong. The The libertarian perspective is uh, philosophically that we don't know enough to say with any real certain certainty which particular aspects of things are definitively right and wrong aside from not hurting other people. So we're just going to try and keep the force limited to don't hurt other people. But even that itself is a value judgment. Well, I just don't think – I'm, I'm tired of the Republican Party pretending that they they somehow take the moral high ground when um, there's been multiple Republicans in the party that have committed <laughs> moral, uh, let's just yeah. say, indiscretions. Yeah, do we want to – we can start going down the list. I mean there's Mark Sanford who you know lied about hiking in the Appalachians, go visit his mistress and was in Argentina or something. There's Larry yep. Craig who was – Soliciting for gay sex in a restroom at an airport. The old I mean, like, foot. yeah, the, the foot tapper. I mean, so like it's it's one of those you know. I, I, I think Demo- Yeah, you got just we we could we could spend hours talking about all of these these moral majority types that have been found you know basically kind of guilty of having their own scandals. You know, like they're they're against gay marriage, but they're gay themselves. Or you know they're and all and all of this stuff. It's like if you're going to pretend to be some sort of moral authority on anything, then you better be living up to it. Because otherwise, you're just a hypocrite. Have you ever noticed that the people who protest so much on gay marriage are likely gay? I mean, I'm just saying. I, I, it's been so many cases where people have protested so hardcore against gay people and gay marriage and the whole gay issue, and it just turns out that well, there's there's something. There's something else they're not telling us. I can't was, uh, think of too many. Well, think I about know it. that that's a, I know that that's a stereotype that exists, but I don't know if there are too many people out there that that actually hold that opinion. That are well, that here, are here. like that. Let me give you an example. Young Republican National Federation chair accused of sexually assaulting sleeping man. Okay, in 2007. All right, he had actually he had tried to rape his roommate at a YRNF convention. And that's one of the reasons why the young Republicans pretty much kind of fell apart into disarray after that, because it was it was the hypocrisy. This was somebody who was outspoken against gay marriage, who was sexually assaulted his roommate at the convention. I mean, you can't. <laughs> there's no logic behind well, that well, reasoning. <laughs> presumably, presumably, the Republican Party is against rape too. Well, yeah. Is it is, it, is the Republican Party hypocritical on the position of rape because? A member of one of its suborganizations attempted to rape somebody. Well, no, I, mean, I would argue, I would argue that rape is a universal argument, bad, yeah. unless you're Muslim. But it, yeah, I, I was about to say it's not a universal Ooh. bad. There are reports in Germany that that and the 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 whole Lockerham scandal in the UK. There was an entire Ooh. network of just a giant uh, Pakistani rape gang that the police didn't want to deal with because they didn't want to get pinged as being. Uh, Islamophobic. So it's not a universal bad. You can't even make that argument. I just well, want to. I like. I, I said unless you're Muslim. Well, let's let's move on the fact, to the fact that you're exempting one point whatever billion people kind of puts a giant hole in the middle of your argument. Well, okay, it's universally bad in this country. If you're listening to the show and you want to contribute to this amazing conversation. Uh, we have about 25 minutes left. 
The call-in number, the call-in number is 646-716-5971. And there's someone that is joining us now from a 770 number, and I, I'm not sure who this is, but welcome. You're on a 770 number. Thank you for taking my call. I'd very much like to participate in this discussion oh. because I think uh, you know these philosophical arguments oh. are, inter- are always important because they serve as a basis for law, reason, and doctrine. And uh, okay. they have to have. Sir, would you like to state your name first? I, I, I'm not sure who you are, but if you'd like to, you can to, call to, me Sarge. I live in Georgia. Oh, okay. Hey, Sarge, how you doing? Thank you. I'm doing fine. Thank you. I uh, hope you're doing well as well. But uh, what I like to say here is, is that look, uh, I'm an agnostic, so I want to make that clear. I want to preface my argument by saying I am an agnostic, so I don't know what the truth is. I don't know what religious truth is, or, or as, as far as uh, the ecclesiastical and spiritual side goes, the supernatural side. I just, I'm not sure about that, but I'm certain of this. I am certain of it. the re- the basis of American liberty is religious. It is one of the primary foundations for American liberty. Because of the people who framed the Constitution. Now, they knew they were sinners. They accepted the notion of being fallen. They didn't try to believe they were perfectly moral and upright and, and, and exercised perfect probity in all things. So when they set it up, they set up the idea of separation of powers. So given the fact that men are corrupt, there would be checks and balances on the corruption that might surface from time to time. And overall, it would balance out. That was the idea. And when I say things like, to people like transcendent moral objective truth, I believe it can be basically summed up, for the most part, in the Ten Commandments. Now, the fact that people who have either appointed themselves spokesmen for what is morally proper or are deemed so by others, and the fact that you can point to their failings in me, does not negate the idea of transcendently morally objective truth. Now, I'm an agnostic, I'm not particularly religious. My primary objection to the idea of uh, Supreme Court imposed homosexual marriage on all 50 states of the Union is a, that it is a negation of the Ninth and Tenth Amendments to the United States Constitution. It is a state matter that should be decided state by state, period. Constitution is yes. completely silent about homosexual uh, marriage. Yeah, I agree with that. It has nothing to do with the federal government whatsoever, any way, shape, form, or fashion, other than maybe recognize it in custom and in, in, in recognition of uh, uh, the fact that couples are married for purposes of whatever. Okay. You know, Sarge, Sarge no, I, I actually let me I agree you. with you. When the uh, when the whole Supreme Court decision came down, it was a vast overreach of the Supreme Court. But you can, you know, me personally, I I'm okay with gay marriage. I voted for it here in Maryland. Uh, I thought that the law was actually well crafted. But I can also be against the Supreme Court overreach that they committed. Oh, that's fine. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, if if that is your position, but I object to homosexual marriage on epistemological grounds. It makes no sense. It's, it's irrational when you consider why marriage was created in the first place. I can make I can make an argument against homosexual marriage. It has nothing to do with religion. Then I can include the religious marriage too. I mean the religious aspect of the argument against it too. It's simply illogical. It's irrational. Without the need for procreation, there's no need for marriage because there's no procreative result. Let me ask you this, Sarge. Let me ask you this. So. Why does the government even need to be involved in marriage? Because I think government does have a prevailing interest in marriage. I think it does have a rational interest in marriage, in promoting it, the stability that it engenders for both the children and for society at large. Look, I was a wild man, okay? 
My wife tamed me. She made me civilized. She brought culture to me. Because, I, you know, ideally, in an ideal marriage, I know oftentimes that's hard to achieve, but in an ideal marriage, you get a complete human being because you get the feminine combined with the masculine. And we all need both aspects to be completely human. My wife provided for me the feminine that I lacked. I provided for her the ma- masculine that she largely lacked. And we were better together. And it was better for our children. And I believe it's better for society when it works. I do. I think uh-huh. the government has an absolute interest in marriage. And if you doubt me, if you doubt me, I'm a black man. I was raised in Chicago all my life. Two-parent families have been destroyed in the black community. It no longer exists for all practical purposes. And the civilizational pathology and chaos resultant there, too, is abominable. Marriage is important for the children. Because I was growing up, 80% of black children live with both their parents. 80%. 80%. Today, it's not 30%. Not even 20% in many places. Overall, it's something like 67 68% do not, and we're hurting as a result. And the white community is starting to get hit, too. It was 80% when I was growing up in the black community, two parents, two children live with both their parents. It was 96% in the white community. Look at what the white community is now, down 64%, 63%. They're getting hurt, too. And, and we're beginning to see the fallout from it. It's not good. Marriage is better than not. Yeah. As the family started breaking up, the jail started filling up. Yeah, and government starts to take over. See, that's how you get tyranny. Because, see, the family's the basic building block of particularly Western civilization and the United States. It's the basic building block. When it's supplanted by other things, and that's what I call these people, I call these people cultural Marxists. I think that's what they've done. These cultural Marxists are seeking to supplant institutions that should uh, 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 be extant throughout most of the society. They want to replace it with government. Statism, big government. Government's we have a lot of family, The welfare state. That's what happened in the black community. And Amen, they vote brother. for people who adhere to these policies. No matter how corrupt hey. they are, whether it's Barack Obama or Hillary Clinton or whoever, it doesn't matter how corrupt they are, how inept they are, how apparently anti-American they are, it just doesn't matter. They're going to give me <clears> stuff. Hey, Sarge, on, a, on another topic, what's happening down in Georgia? Other, other than, I think this is a great issue to discuss, but... Uh, Tell us about, I mean, we're Marylanders, um, so what's your perspective? What's happening down in Georgia politics? Well, you understand I'm kind of an expatriate from Chicago, okay. transplant. I haven't been here that long. I'm not okay. that familiar with much of the politics. But right now we got some idiot Democrats up in the in – the, uh, in, and they're always Democrats. They always do this, always, always, always. They got an assault weapons ban up in Georgia. Now, I knew that Georgia is one of the most gun – Gun-centric yeah, places in the United States. These idiot Democrats will not stop. They never will stop. I mean, just, we, they, well, in fact, they're actually advocating confiscation in wow. Georgia. In Georgia, nonetheless. Yeah, it's a constant yeah. battle with these forces. I mean, they're everywhere, and they are determined to completely, as, as a guy uh, we all famously know, fundamentally transform the nature of the United States from a constitutional republic into a uh, North American outpost of a European socialist superstate. I got a question for you, Sarge. Do you listen to Dennis Prager? I used to. I haven't listened to him lately. I used to like him. In fact, I, I, one of his a phrase he's got that I love and I use always, I prefer clarity over agreement, and agreement. I do, because I'm not looking for agreement. I'm looking for clarity. Yep. You know, 
My, well, you, I, learned, I look, you, learned a great, you learned a great deal from him, and I can recognize a lot of his uh, his thinking. I picked oh, he's, up he's on brilliant man, brilliant man. He, I he admire had, him he's greatly. Had, he's, he's absolutely, he's absolutely, he's he's one of the probably the smartest people alive right now. So Truly. I just, I, I, and I heard, Truly. I heard a lot of that. I want uh, yeah. I but, heard a you know, lot. Of I, I think the most brilliant. I, I think the most brilliant mind today, philosophically, intellectually, who everybody uh, tends to marginalize, and uh, is Alan Keyes. I don't know anybody more. I I know the man personally. He's absolutely he's the most brilliant, eloquent man I've ever heard. He can take an idea and a concept, and in a debate, no one can top him. Nobody. He nobody. ran for the Maryland Senate, I think, at one. He point. went for the United. I was I worked in his Illinois. Senatorial campaign when he came to Illinois and against Barack Obama. It was a doomed effort, but he was absolutely valiant. And if you watch the debates he had with Barack Obama, he thoroughly, it was like a man taking candy from a child. I mean, he had absolutely no chance intellectually, but the fix was in. They were just telling us how smart and brilliant this guy was. Nobody could oppose him. He was a light worker sent from above to liberate us from our dark impulses. And we had to follow him into the bright new sunlit utopias that were beckoning to us. We just elected this great messiah as president. Uh-huh. And that was it. Was I, in. I, both, both parties in Illinois, the Republican Party and Democratic Yeah. Did we lose him? Did we I lose him? lost Sarge there. Uh, Sarge, you still there? Oh. Sarge? Now, he hasn't funny. hung up yet, but I, this guy is great. This guy's amazing. Are you kidding? Sarge, you are Sarge, welcome. Sarge, fantastic. To, you are welcome to come back at any time. Sarge, if you're still on the line, keep talking. I don't know what happened. Maybe we lost you. But uh, I did not hang up on this guy because let me tell you something. This was great commentary. Sarge, I, if I you're there. You, uh, you might have, I think you might have found the Georgia correspondent for uh, a minor detail. <laughs> no, it's really good. Probably I mean, did. That's guys, I I think that I love hearing other perspectives and and this was a random caller. Um so I I I just Also very smart. He was he was a very smart guy who listened to other very smart guys. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know too much about Alan Keyes. I know that he was an interesting <laughs> you know, I don't know. Alan Keyes Alan was an Keyes had- Alan Keyes has something of a. Wait, I think Sarge is calling back in. Hey, Sarge. Yeah, I'm calling back on my cell phone. Oh, I don't know what happened there. Okay, welcome back. We were we were missing. Yeah, uh, yeah, I was you know I was talking to nobody's hearing me. I didn't touch the phone or anything, so (laughs) I tried calling back on my cell. But yeah, uh, I I do Alan Keyes. uh, I, I would implore you if you have an interest in it. To watch those 2004 senatorial debates, as I worked this campaign, and he just trounced Obama. It was pathetic, especially on the issue of homosexual marriage. I mean, it was like Obama was giving these standard answers, you know, the standard politically correct, uh, conventional wisdom answers that were, were just beginning the service at the time. And he just took them apart piecemeal. Epistemologic. It was like Aristotelian watching this guy do it. It was just unbelievable. Mark Obama was sitting there just fuck I don't need Alan Keyes to lecture me. He clear he, he knew he had no rejoinder to what Alan Keyes had said. I just loved it. Um so Sarge, let me let me get your perspective on the uh, the national race and the, the presidential race. What's what's happening? What do you what's gonna happen down in Georgia for the Republican? Republican? Oh, Georgia? Uh, I think we're gonna go they're gonna go for Trump here. 
Okay. Uh, Trump is interesting, certainly. I mean, he's certainly shaking things up. I, I don't like uh, he's he's like he's a carny barker and a Bulgarian, and uh, you know it's not exactly my idea of a, a choice for president. Uh, I, philosophically, intellectually, I really like uh, Ted Cruz. Problem with him, he's not a natural born citizen. <laughs> he's not qualified. He wants <laughs> the guy that's in the White House. Well, you so really think me, he's not a natural me, born? You really think me, that? He's not a natural born citizen. That is indisputable. He I is don't know. not a natural born let citizen. Me, let, me, let me put your fears to rest. There are only two categories of U.S. citizens there's natural born and there's naturalized. That's it. That's, that's it. And then that's, he's, he's naturalized. That's, that's, that's no. There's, that's been the law for 200 plus years. The only way you can get naturalized is if you go through the naturalization process, which he Not never true. did. No, he's, oh, well, he's, there's he's another never, way, too. He was, he, you can be naturalized no, no, by statute. You can be a class of persons as naturalized by statute as was. Because you got to remember, prior to the Cable Act of 1922, a U.S. citizen woman who was married to a foreign national and gave birth to a child in a foreign country would lose her citizenship. She lost her U.S. citizenship. The Independent Woman's Nationality Act what? restored that to her. That was a naturalization act of Congress. A woman couldn't pass her citizenship on to the child. After the act, those children would automatically become U.S. citizens, but they were naturalized. And they weren't natural once born. They, and once they became, and, and, and once the statute was passed, they didn't have to go through the naturalization process. If you, There's no naturalization by statute. That's a made-up thing to get all of the... the all of all right. as many people as possible out of the race. If you look by by that explanation, Trump doesn't qualify either. But none of okay. the people who talk about this talk about Trump. The well, only his reason, mother. The, the, the only the only reason they 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 came up with this because Trump's story is the same as as President Obama or or it was it was a uh, uh, who was uh, anyway. They don't talk about Trump that way because he's white. That's it. Well, it, well, it, well, uh, it, it applies to Marco Rubio, but, who is uh, who's Cuban. It applies to Ted Cruz, who is Cuban. It applies to um, Nikki Haley, who is Indian. It applies to Bobby Jindal, who is Indian. The only white person it's ever applied to was John McCain. But the people who want to keep out all of the 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 blacks, the Latinos, the Indians, and everybody else from running for president hate John McCain anyway. Well, so he's just but, thrown into the pot because uh, they don't like him either. The people right. You know what? Let me that. let me interject here for a second. All right, let let me just say something. We got to be careful going down this path of you know so and so isn't qualified because you know this parent wasn't a citizen or this parent was a citizen. All right, we start going down that path, we're going to end up getting to the point that you know only Native Americans are going to actually qualify for president. So we no, got to be careful. They were never citizens <laughs> until 1924. They wouldn't have qualified either. If they were subject to tribal jurisdiction and the United States had treaties with those Indian groups, they were not citizens of the United States, even though they were born on the soil. The act of Congress made them citizens. Now, they, were, they would be natural born if they were not subject to tribal jurisdiction and they were born to two citizen Indian parents on U.S. soil then they would be natural-born citizens. But if they were under tribal jurisdiction, they were under treaties with the United States as foreign nations, 
They were not citizens until 1924. You know what, Sarge? I just I just want to say this right now, okay? I really, really hope that you come back on the show in the future because yeah. you, sir, are amazing. Uh, well, sir, I've been look. I, look, I, I I got educated by a uh, yes, a a very well known conservative white man named Tom Roser. I was at a collaborative collaborative effort with him in talk show radio in Chicago and uh, elsewhere, and uh, I, I had quite an education with him and from Alan Keyes and other conservatives, and uh, I, I learned from the best, and and they taught me how to think and analyze and not just emote. I have a great deal of passion and emotion, but I like to base it in reason, linear thinking, and rationality, and that's all too lacking today. And if you look at the purpose of Article 1, Section 2, Clause 5, from the framers who wrote the Constitution, not from today's perspective, with outcome-based constitutionality, you will see it's not a civil rights issue. Everyone doesn't have a right to be president. It was intended to protect the president, the office of president, from baleful foreign influence, particularly through a father owing allegiance to a foreign sovereignty, because the framers, whether you like it or not, were patriarchs. They believe in the Emmerich de Vitellian notion of natural-born citizen. They quoted in the Supreme Court decision in 1814, the Venus Merchantman case, they quoted the whole paragraph dealing with who was a natural-born citizen, citizen from Emmerich de Vitell in the 1814 Venus Merchantman case. They put it in the decision, the whole doggone paragraph. Two citizen parents born on the soil of the nation. They wanted to protect the office of president. That's the only no, thing no, it applies no, 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 to. It doesn't apply no, 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 no. to anything else. I've read that case. I've read that whole case. There's what more. they said was what they said was at a minimum, two parents on US soil has to be a citizen. But that's not the outer limit of what citizens of what natural citizenship was. No that was, it was never – there's no difference. No, the, the you're right. The Constitution, the Constitution does not say anywhere natural citizen. It only says natural-born citizen, and it only says it once. It, yeah, and, and but there, the there's, there's no – and Vittel was talking about natural-born subject. And the court case talking about established – that at a minimum, two parents on U.S. soil qualifies. What else qualifies? The court didn't address that. The court expressly no, did not reach that right. question. Well, you're right. They didn't. They didn't address Article Two, Section One, Clause Five specifically. There's never been a ruling on that matter. You're right. That is true. But in Minor versus Happersat, they said the same thing again. In Wong Kim Mark versus U.S., they said the same thing again. In Perkins versus L, they did the same thing again. It's well I established reviewed. what a natural-born citizen is by definition of the Supreme Court. Remember, we got birthright citizenship, birthright anchor baby citizenship from a footnote by Justice Brennan in another decision that had nothing to do with it. Now, we've got dicta on the Supreme Court in these other cases defining a natural-born citizen specifically, even though they weren't dicta's applying it to Article 2. Dicta's not binding. I understand that. I'm saying let's have the decision. Let's take all this to the Supreme Court now. And please, can we get a definitive decision instead of trying to avoid it and pretend it's not important? It is. That's why we got Obama. He's the worst president you, in the history of the United States. All right. All right. So do you let's think, uh, do you think that do you think that Ted Cruz would be subject to baleful influence of outside No, nations? I think Ted Cruz is a patriot. I think he'd be a great president. But I, I believe in the rule of law, not in the cult of personality. 
I think that the bad that an uneligible president like Barack Obama can do to the republic and the Constitution is greater than the good that a patriot like Ted Cruz can do. Well, well uh, it is let's, always uh, easier to do. Yeah, I just want to say this is this has been an amazing show, guys. Uh, yeah, unfortunately, I'm going to have to drop. And yeah. uh, but it's been great, everybody. We have about four, three minutes left. And uh, Sarge, I, I appreciate you calling in. I mean, this is a Maryland-based show. You can find me at any time. In fact, Sarge, um, we should talk. Give me a call anytime. My cell phone is three zero one nine nine one four two two zero. Hold on, thank you. Let me uh, hold on, sir. Let me uh, jot that down. Okay. Hold yeah, on. man. We'll uh, we'll, we'll uh, definitely shoot. get together. Go ahead again. What's your name again, sir? My name is Ryan R Y A N. Last name is spelled minor M I N E R. And yeah. my cell phone number is three zero one. Yeah. Nine nine one four two two zero. At least okay. it will be until people. Until a whole bunch of people. Okay, I'll be happy to give you a call, sir, because I've enjoyed this discussion immensely. I mean, you oh, guys I... are clearly uh, and not interested in vitriol or vindictiveness. You want to analyze ideas, and oh, I'm yeah. always for that. Always. Yeah, we definitely are. Are, are. We're good. We're a good bunch. But uh, it's still snowing, Sarge, up here in, in Maryland. We're in. We're near. We're very close to D.C. and Baltimore, and uh, it's <laughs> it's really coming down. Uh, Eric Beasley, uh, let me just give you the final. Let me give you the final thoughts. We'll we'll go through this quickly. Go ahead. Uh, let's see. Uh, Red Maryland sucks, and uh, people should start actually looking at the facts and really know what the candidates actually said, what their what their <clears throat> positions are, and you know the the actual circumstances behind an action before they go and judge instead of listening to some clickbait advertiser. Um, Kim Mueller, what are your final thoughts? Wow, it's kind of hard to follow up um, after Eric's little thing there. Um, I have to concur with him on his first statement, definitely. Um, But, yeah, I think people need to do their research and find out and talk to the candidates themselves. Ask them the questions and don't rely on um, other people asking the questions and giving them their version of the candidate's answer. Jason, uh, final thoughts. I am Secretary of the Baltimore Young Republicans. We have Walter Olson speaking at High Tops uh, uh, this coming Thursday, the 28th, at approximately 7 o'clock. Be early. Um, he's, uh, Walter Olson is a senior fellow of Cato and has had been head of the Governor's Redistricting Commission, and so I'm plugging the bejesus out of that. You can also read me at the Dark Tech Observer, but I don't have anything specific. We can displace Red Maryland. We can make well, them not relevant. Um, my final thoughts are thank you for listening during a snowstorm. We have an opportunity to talk about real issues on a minor detail, and we are going to talk about facts, and we're going to tell the truth on our show, as we invariably do. We're going to give candidates an opportunity to come on to this show to make their case to the state of Maryland about why they believe they are the best person for the job And here where we live in Maryland's 6th Congressional District, we're going to keep covering this race. Eric Beasley is a fantastic Frederick County correspondent. I'm I'm serious about getting Ken on board for uh, the Washington County correspondent. And Jason, (coughs) all things Baltimore, 
you're going to keep covering. You guys are a vital part of this show. It's becoming an institution. We don't say that we're the most respected uh, in, in, in the state of Maryland, but we will say that we are respected and that we, we enjoy giving the truth. So with that, during the snowstorm, you are listening to a minor detail. My name is Ryan Miner. Thank you for listening, and God bless.